Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news, meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be discussing online scheduling, patient check-in, and consumer choice, things that have really become very important during this push to vaccinate the population. And thank you to our sponsors, Stericycle Communications. You can learn more about them at stericyclecommunications.com. And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 15 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. This is a topic near and dear to your heart, Colin. I'm I'm excited to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Online check-in, patient communications, uh, online scheduling, all that stuff is stuff that's... personally been involved with, but also right now, I mean, it's so topical because of the rush to get people vaccinated, right? All three of these things now have suddenly been thrust into the limelight to say, you have to have these, otherwise your vaccination program is probably not going to work very well. Yeah. I mean, I think about online scheduling and I think about the experience I've had trying to just call my mom lately. <laughs> and we've been playing phone tag and it reminded me because you, you just don't do it anymore. <laughs> I've been playing phone tag with her for like three days and our schedules just haven't aligned. And it reminded me what it was like trying to schedule an appointment, although they were better than my mom's schedule, I guess, because they usually had a front desk staff that was more responsive. But it's like, no, I don't want to go back to that. Uh, like I do self-service for everything I do. Why don't I want to do that with my appointment? Of course we do. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's become a reality, especially for those of us that are in lockdowns, right? You have to make a schedule now to even go see a teller at a bank. You can't just walk in anymore. You, you know, we've always had to make appointments to, to go get your haircut or those kinds of things. But again, it's surprisingly like telehealth, you know, a lot of organizations didn't have online self-scheduling. I mean, they may have had online scheduling. You may be able to see availability, but some organizations still had to call a number uh, and, you know, and, and talk with an agent in order to get central booking. Uh, sometimes that was because they needed some screening questions answered and things like that. But, but with vaccinations, I mean, you have to basically allow people to self-schedule, right? You can't, can't have people calling in because that would just be overwhelm your phone lines. I think you just blew people's mind that you have to schedule to go to the bank. I, I don't think that happened. That must be a Canadian thing. <laughs> Maybe California. <laughs> I don't know. I, well, anyway, but uh, yeah, but you're right. Um, you know, online scheduling is just a reality. You know, it's not going to happen with vaccinations any other way. You just can't scale it up the way we need to without it. But I think what's interesting, if you look about it from a a clinician perspective, the thing that was holding it back before to me was how much clinicians wanted to control their schedule. And they were afraid you're going to book them for a 15 minute appointment when it's a 30 minute and then I'm going to be behind or vice versa. You're going to book them for a 30 minute and it only takes 15 and I could have crammed two more patients in there. Like, and you know, maybe that's a little cross to say cram, but that's kind of how they feel. Right. And so from, you know, from my experience, it was fear of, of releasing control of their schedule. Yeah. And it's still a concern. The good news is with uh, new technologies, you know, you can set a lot of good guidelines and parameters. I mean, most of the online scheduling tools that are available from 
companies like you know Doc ASAP and and as well as um, you know Stericycle and and others you know um, SR Health you know, they all have the capability to say okay yes if it's this you know this kind of parameters of the patient make sure it's 30 minutes uh, I want 10 minutes or five minutes before or after or I don't want anything at all like you can you can get really sophisticated now in how these systems book and you don't you don't have to expose everything right it, there's nothing there's nothing that says you have to have your whole schedule out there and available you can block times to say, okay, I'm going to reserve this time Friday morning uh, for anybody who calls in in emergencies, right? Or every day I have a little time slot like that. So I think people are now realizing, oh, there's some flexibility here. You're not turning over complete control to like an AI or some sort of uh, in the cloud-based scheduler. <laughs> it is interesting that more of these online scheduling companies, like some of the ones you mentioned, there's Odoro as well, Relation. There's a lot of them out there, which is great because they have experience with it now and they can guide you through what's required. You know, how do you limp into it? Is it just a portion of the schedule like you mentioned or something else, right? But right. it's interesting that they haven't partnered with companies like Buoy Health and these online symptom checkers because then you could be more sophisticated in how long you schedule the appointment using these symptom checkers to really understand, okay, what kind of appointment are you getting into? I'm a little surprised that there hasn't been more, uh, you know, either partnership or even, you know, some of them acquiring those symptom checkers to really provide that full personalized experience and helping to facilitate a schedule that makes sense for the doctor. Yeah, I mean, that's why I think regardless, uh, you know, how much we talk about technology, John, there's still going to be a human component here, right? At some point for certain uh, populations, for certain types of appointments, you're going to need that, that, that check, the, the check back. Right? So someone may schedule an appointment a week from now that's this type, but you might want to have your front staff call that person and say, hey, just want to check, make sure, you know, you booked to this type. Did you really mean that, you know, or do you need something else? And, you know, so I think there's still that human component. I think that's a misnomer to think we can completely go automated or completely go self-scheduling. <laughs> so I, I agree with you. There has to be some sort of uh, a human element to this, or at least an option, because there's some people who just don't want to use self-scheduling, even if it's available, right? Yeah. Or they can, or they don't have the right technology in place. Well, the solution there is the front desk staff uses the self-scheduling for the patient, which is exactly. super interesting to think about as well. But you're right. I mean, and I don't think it's so much that it's, they're going to confirm even the visit because I think technology does a pretty good job there. But it's also just acknowledging the fact that if they schedule for a 30 minute appointment, they only need a 15 you can always message them and correct it, right? Like we think exactly. that, oh, once it's done, you know, you're going to ruin the patient experience. We've all had experiences where someone comes back and says, hey, we got to move you 15 minutes. Is that all right? You know, like th th these conversations happen quite a bit. And I mean, we've had it a bunch during COVID, uh, you know, where doctors maybe had some issues or their staff had issues. And so we had to reschedule. And, you know, that's kind of just the reality of where we're at. But I think it is interesting to think about from a perspective of consumer choice. Will consumers start choosing with their feet, right? Like, you know, I think I'm getting close to that point, right? I'm not quite there. And, and I'm a little biased because I know so many doctors and I'm often just texting them and then they schedule me, which, you know, it's basically giving me that consumer like experience because of friendship, right? But it, I, I think that's going to be the reality is that 
many people, I mean, you could imagine what's one of the number one referrals of, of patients. And that's often the insurance list. If the insurance list said, Oh, these ones do self-scheduling. Do you think any millennial is going to choose anything other than the self-scheduling? Absolutely not. So I think, you know, we'll start to see more influence that way. Yeah. I, you know, I think I'm a little bit torn on this one. So a little, little slightly different view than, than you do, John. I think for an initial relationship, like an initial, I've never seen you before and I just need to go see the specialist. I need to see this type of doctor. I think there totally makes a difference. Uh, Not having online scheduling will put you behind versus docs that do or or clinics that do. But I think if you have a relationship already with somebody, I don't know if you're going to give up that relationship just because they don't have online Mm. self-scheduling, right? Because, you know, we all talk about how patients want to have a relationship with their doctor or doctor who knows them or, or, or even a clinic that knows them. So I'm not sure that will, that will uh, be such a big uh, omission that someone's going to want to change. But I certainly see if you're trying to attract new patients in and certainly get the bulk of referrals from another organization, having online self-scheduling and these other uh, sort of check-in type tools and things that make the, the, the visit so much more convenient is definitely going to make a difference uh, versus someone who doesn't have that. Well, what's really ironic is those patients who are basically totally, you know, committed to that doctor who have seen that doctor for the last five years, every month of their, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Right. Those are the ones that self-scheduling makes the most sense because <laughs> they it's know true. they just need a 15 minute appointment or they know that it's their annual one that needs to be an hour or whatever. Like they know the process better than anyone else and know, you know, they're the ones that we should be driving the self-scheduling because they know the process as well as the doctor. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. But, you know, I, it, it is interesting because I think uh, there may be certain specialties, uh, certain regions where you know, the consumer choice will be driven by these sort of self-scheduling, these uh, check-in, these electronic means of communication. All of these things will be factors in more competitive markets, certainly in markets where it tends to be more technological. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I think it's definitely something that people should uh, invest in now because like with anything that's happened with COVID, I think that people are going to be looking for this. Like, why don't you have it? It's going to seem odd why you don't have this much like it seemed odd now. Like, why don't you offer telehealth? Right. Like, yeah. right. Like, it's, it's true. And imagine a telehealth visit without self-scheduling, right. I'm going to call you so I can do a telehealth visit. Like that's pretty funny to even think about. I also see people talking about something that I hadn't really seen them talked about in healthcare. And, and certainly this could go the wrong direction if it was done the wrong way, but it's lifetime value of the customer. Like it's something we talk about in the SaaS world, the SaaS, you know, software world a lot because you, you might even lose to get the customer, but there's a lifetime value if they stay on for a certain period of time. And we're starting to see some of that conversation in healthcare, which like I said, could go really bad ways if it's done the wrong way, but it also could be really valuable because it means I'm going to commit to retaining you as a lifetime customer in healthcare, which means I have to give you a different experience. And so I'm hopeful that those types of discussions will will kind of encourage healthcare organizations to rethink this front end process of acquisition because it influences the lifetime value of that patient to the organization. 
Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. Today's episode is sponsored by Stericycle Communication Solutions. Stericycle provides online self-scheduling, automated patient communications, and call center solutions to healthcare providers. They can help organizations handle the surge of patient appointments that are the consequence of any COVID vaccination program. You can learn more at stericyclecommunications.com. So, John, I recently wrote an article kind of talking about a lot of these uh, solutions that have come forward now from vendors that are specific to COVID vaccinations, right? It's such a, it's a hot topic. And, and really what it is, is bundling solutions that people had already had, but now just sort of in the context of COVID. You know, I did, I highlighted some work that, you know, Cypher Health is doing around, you know, how they bundled their um, patient communications tool and same with uh, SR Health and even BlackBerry has something and for crisis communications. Um, you know, I think people do overlook a little bit about the need for communications. I mean, people think about communications classically as, hey, like, here's a reminder, here's what your appointment time is, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But in the context of COVID, it became, you know, don't come in if you have these symptoms. Here's what you have to do. Arrive. This is now very important, like arrive an hour before your appointment time, right? Stay in your car. All these things become things that you need to communicate to people in order to have an efficient flowing <laughs> program. Otherwise, you know, you could have people showing up late or missing their appointments, which means vaccines go to go to waste. I mean, it's so critical. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think of our, our friend and, uh, you know, our sponsor, Sarah Benite from Stericycle Communications. She described it really well. She said, we actually need to over communicate during this period. And, you know, that's not always true in, in a lot of the things we do in healthcare. But in this period, uh, you know, over communication is better than under communication. And I think that's a really important message here. And we're seeing where a lot of people get this wrong because, of course, the newspapers and journalists love to hop over any story where it was wrongly communicated or under communicated and people are wondering what's going on. And so then they hop all over it and they sensationalize it in, in some cases. Right. And, and, you know, it drives eyeballs and, you know, then the, the outrage people come and, and it just blows up. Right. And so I think that's where the communication has become so important for to avoid that right <laughs> on the PR side of things, but also just because it's the right thing to do for the patients to help them understand what's the process. And, and if you're still inventing the process, which we are, right? <laughs> like we're not sure how a lot of this is going to go. We've never done what 200 million vaccines in six months. Is that <laughs> what we're on trend to in the US? So there's a lot of invention that's happening, but just letting people know where they're at, when they can expect to get the new message and everything is really interesting. I know I was, you know, working with the UNLV one here in, in Las Vegas, and it's really interesting how they're doing the follow-up. They actually immediately schedule you for your follow-up visit when you get your first vaccine, which I think is really interesting, but that wouldn't even be enough, to be honest, if they didn't have the back-end systems to then send the reminder, because I think it's two or three weeks out, I forget the protocol exactly, then, you know, I'm going to forget by then, right? So you're going to have to send a reminder and get the confirmation because if you've pre-scheduled all of these follow-up doses and then a bunch of them don't show, you just ruined your whole process. So yeah, it's absolutely critical to have a two-way communication channel, not just, hey, please come in for your second dose. But if you can't make it, you need to reply. So I know. 
Well, yeah. And then, you know, you know, you're talking about the stuff that's sort of right after the appointment or during the appointment. There's also the stuff that happens sort of on the outside, even beyond that, like at the beginning, just knowing like who qualifies and whether or not it's my turn yet. And, you know, should I go to, you know, site A versus site B, you know, this one has a car, it's a drive-through and this one's not. And, you know, all, I know they're using the media for that. And right now the media is obviously covering it a lot, but there will come a day where it's no longer headline news. Right. Like, so then the question is, how do you get the word out there? Right. Like you can't expect people to always go to your website and check it. So, you know, if you have a roster of patients that you communicate with already via text or via email, like these systems now can help you send out blast messages, right? To say, hey, you know, now we're doing anyone over 55, right? But, oh, by the way, if you're pregnant and so forth, don't come in, right? <laughs> like, or follow these procedures instead. Those all become critical because otherwise people are just, I mean, the worst thing that will happen is someone books an appointment, they show up and then you find out, oh, wait a minute, you're not, you don't qualify like or you we can't give it to you right for these like how bad would that be (laughs) and they waited in line for an hour or two hours that's That's right that's right but we you know we also seen how it if you don't have this how disastrous it can be as well like we heard the uh, example out of lee county in in uh, florida which you know kudos to them I, i know they meant it in a good way to say well we don't have an online scheduling system we don't have these things so let's just go first come first serve right because we want to get people vaccinated. Yeah. So which noble goal, but then you can, you can imagine the consequence, right? You had lineups around the block, people literally camping out overnight. And it was a disaster because the people who were lining up were like 85 and older, right? So, cause that was who qualified yeah. for the vaccine at the time. Exactly. So you really don't want, you know, especially you don't want cameras showing the line that goes around the block of all these people, 85 and over waiting in the Florida heat to get to get vaccinated for sure and it's a tough balance because you do want a line because you want those people you know that are vaccinating to work as efficiently as possible and always have someone in the queue so you know balancing that having a line but not having a line that's too long so that you know you're wasting people's time that that's a tough thing to to manage especially without without the proper communication now, interestingly though if, i'll take it even one more step beyond what you described and that is right now we have this excessive demand right millions and hundreds of millions of people want the vaccine and that's fine. Okay. Once we get through those, what are we doing to communicate to the hundred million? I don't, I don't know what the number is of people who have chosen. I'm, I'm not getting it or I'm afraid to get it, or, you know, I'm not sure if I should get it probably, especially that I'm not sure category. So, you know, that goes back to communication as well. And what are you doing to communicate to build the trust in those people that one, they should get the vaccine, why they should get the vaccine, is the vaccine safe or is it not? And what can they expect? And I think part of that is, if I have to go in and wait for two hours in line, a lot of people say, eh, I don't really care that much. And so, you know, if you can build in this expectation of, hey, this is what the experience is like, that will change how some of those people that maybe are on the fence. Right. No, yeah, absolutely. And and, you know, we, we've talked with uh, companies like uh, ESRI or Esri and, and others that kind of take a marketing approach to this and say, who are the influencers in a zone where you know there is uh, vaccine hesitancy? 
right? Can you target the local leaders, uh, whether that's a, a church leader or that's a community leader and kind of get them to be the example for the rest of the community, right? Say, hey, they, they came in and they got theirs done in five minutes or, you know, it was really easy to check in and all those kinds of things. Um, you, I think you have to start looking at those style of programs in order to get the vaccination level to in your community where you need it to get to like that, whether that's 75 or 85 or 95%. Um, but it's just interesting. I think that people, ha- only some organizations that I've spoken to have, have got their mind there already. I think a lot of them are just kind of dealing with the immediate problem sure. of, I got of not enough supply, too much demand. How do I get people you know, uh, prioritized right in this queue? Absolutely. Well, it's interesting you say that about church leader. I was talking to a friend who I think he's 68 or, you know, he's, he's right there on the edge of being in the group. And he's like, I wasn't sure if I'd get the vaccine, but then I saw the prophet get it. And I'm like, he's like, I'm all in. I was like, so interesting, the influence of, of religious leaders for sure. Um, and, you know, it is interesting, you know, the CDC actually has a program as well when you get the vaccine that you can basically uh, use your cell phone and check in. And every day for, I think, a week after or something like that, they check in with you and say, you know, have you had pain? Have you had have you, have you had to seek medical care, et cetera? And, and then, you know, that's really interesting data. And I hope the CDC pushes that out, you know, that, hey, all these people got vaccines and here's how many people had issues. Because I think that will help alleviate some of the people's fear about, you know, what is going to happen. Because if they've heard one anecdotal story about one person getting a fever, then they're going to freak out. But if they hear that, like, that was 0.001% of people that did it, you know, then that will help hopefully alleviate some fear. Yeah. And, and you actually mentioned something that was pretty interesting there, John, around check-in, right? I mean, we've talked about, you know, online scheduling, we've talked about communication. I mean, check-in is going to be absolutely critical too. And, you know, I hate to bring it up, but it's almost to me like voting, right? Like, you know, is the person who's showing up the person who booked the appointment, right? Are you the right person? And so there's that validation that goes on. And then there's also matching that person to existing records if they're already in your, you know, in your EHR. So you want to make sure that that check-in process is as smooth as possible and also as much done at home as possible. Because again, you don't want this person standing in line or tying up a vaccine if they don't qualify or if they're not the right in the right group, right? Um, meaning not, not to say that someone would want to cheat the system, but maybe there's just a, a complication that they know of that you shouldn't be taking it, right? Or you should wait until the, until the next batch comes through, whatever the reasons are. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that people are thinking about that check-in process as well. Yeah. And I, I think we're going to see a lot of hybrid ones to start. Uh, you know, I saw one uh, check-in process for the vaccine that was super interesting. It was all checked. It was all scheduled virtually, right? So they used the online self-scheduling and it was all done that way. And it had asked the questions that were needed. It was just nice do it from home and all that. And then when they got there, they got a piece of paper with the same questions. (laughs) You're like, wait, is that the ideal is to just have a piece of paper and fill it out and do those same questions? It was pretty shocking, you know, but so I think we're going to see some hybrid. It would be nice if it was all just virtual online 
uh, you know, check-in, uh, you know, to streamline the, the check-in process. Cause if I get there and I have to do a piece of paper, now you're slowing down that whole line while I fill it out. And then I have to make sure what if that, what if I answer something different on the paper than I did electronically, what does that mean? Is there liability implications? It just seems like a bad thing, even though I think what they're doing is they're probably trying to reduce their risk because of what you described, are you pregnant? Have you had a vaccine? <laughs> you know, all those screener questions. They're just trying to in triplicate, make sure that none of these apply so that we're not liable since those have been said to be risks. So, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough balance for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you know, my hope as well, as well, you know, you, you, you can do what we do when we go uh, to certain uh, concert venues, right? You check in online on your phone, right? And say, hey, I'm here, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, and then it would tell you what number you are, right? Like, you know, my ideal experience would be I check in online uh, I, when I'm there and, and then they tell me, okay, you're number 102 in line and the wait yeah. is going to be about an hour, you know? So great, you know, and if, you know, if I can walk around, I can walk around and come back. But if not, okay, I know at least my car, I know how long I'm going to be sitting here. Yeah. You can go get some Chick-fil-A and come back and (laughs) come back. um, Yeah. I mean, so, so this, I mean, you can make it a very pleasant experience. Now I don't know how much, I mean, do you need to make it an excellent experience? Probably not. I mean, we're all here for the vaccine. Let's be honest. Right. So there can be some bumps, but as long as you kind of um, make it where you keep the person informed, then you avoid the question of, well, how long am I going to be in this line, right? Like you get people coming out. Of, I can imagine people walking out of their cars kind of wanting to ask the person up there, like how long is the wait from this point, right? How long yeah. is the wait from this point? So you can almost imagine like these, you know, the Disney rides, right? Where they have yeah. those signs, like, because why do they have those? Just because then it avoids people feeling anxious. Like is something going wrong? Like, it should I be waiting this long? Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that check-in process is more than just the, the actual check-in and answering those questions, but it's that whole experience of waiting to get your vaccine. Um, so, yeah, and know. it's all about information, right? And I would actually argue a bit against what you just said as far as does it matter because we want the vaccine? And it's true to a certain extent. But if you have a terrible first time, well, then am I going to come back for my second dose? Some of those people might opt out of the second dose if they had a bad experience. So it is important. And then more important, if I'm a forward thinking health system, I'm using this COVID vaccination process as an opportunity to show that I'm a best in class health system and I can engage you. And if I do it the right way, I can leverage that in the future to improve chronic care, to drive wellness visits, to do other things. Because you had such a great experience, I can now use that to build my value-based care program based on that relationship. So, you know, hopefully that's what some of them are doing, but I think some are falling short, unfortunately. (laughs) It's funny, John, we flipped our roles there. Usually you're the one talking about good enough is good enough. And I'm (laughs) the one taking the marketing hat on. We flipped our roles there, but I love it. I think you're absolutely right, especially about the second dose. I really didn't think about that and and how a good experience in the first one could influence whether or not that person comes back. Yep, absolutely. Hey, listen, thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. For more details about our show, check out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lynn. Thanks for listening and have a great week.